Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Tom Howard and this is the Autosport Podcast. It's Thursday 21st of October and on today's podcast we'll be looking ahead to this weekend's British Touring Car Championship title decider at the Brands Hatch Grand Prix circuit. A thrilling finale is set to unfold at the famous Kent track with five drivers in with a mathematical chance of winning the BTCC title. Laser Tools Racing's Ash Sutton is the favourite to lift the third crown heading into Brands Hatch with a 32-point lead over West Surrey Racing's four-time champion, Colin Turkington. However, as history has shown us, anything can happen in BTCC title deciders with Accelerate Motorsports' Tom Ingram, Motorbase Performance's Jake Hill and BTC Racing's Josh Cook all in with a shot of glory. I'm joined by Autosports Deputy Editor and BTCC Reporter Marcus Simmons and the voice of the BTCC on ITV4, David Addison, to discuss the key talking points heading into this weekend's Championship Showdown. How are you guys going? Uh, good. Looking forward to the weekend as well. Uh, there's nothing quite like Championship Finals Day for Touring Cars, is there, Marcus? It's always a good day. I'm really looking forward to it. I, mean, I only came back to covering BTCC last season after... Uh, being away pretty much since the super touring era <laughs> and uh, yeah what a tremendous final round it was although um, admittedly I did watch most of them on TV or a- actually at the track as a spectator in the interim um, and it's always a tremendous uh, tremendous day but Tom I'm disappointed if David's the voice of the BTCC why he didn't call me the pen of the BTCC oh <laughs> I, I should should I uh, that's, uh, well, we'll correct that in the intro I'll call you the pen uh, we'll go with that I guess and it's quite as it's, it's always exciting isn't it we always seen it's it, these days it's always comes down to the wire uh, we've got five contenders, and I guess we'll start with uh, Josh Cook, who's in fifth place uh, currently. He's had a much better season than last year. Had had couldn't buy a win or a victory or luck last year, really. Um, how do you think he's gone this year? I think he's gone really well, um, but I think I'm about to use a line that you can probably apply to the next four drivers that we'll get to. And, sorry, all the, the Josh, including, and then four as the four inconsistent. You know, and and to fast forward a bit, where Ash Sutton's season has been fantastic is that he has just kept racking up the points, whereas you can point to good days for Josh and the others and bad days for Josh and the others. And and the consistency for many of them just hasn't quite been there. You know, he's got the pace and then, oh, a tiny little curb hop means that there's a damaged car component and you fail a ride height test um, and things like that go against you. And there are other people that have got hard luck stories as well. I think Josh has has matured a lot. I think he's very fast. I think he's, like all of these guys, getting better uh, season on season because they haven't peaked yet. 
Um, I just wish that that BTC had been able to be consistent at every round, both if you like on track and in its practices. And that, like I say, is true of of the other teams. I think. Do you feel that perhaps because BTC haven't been in a title fight before, that that experience that you have when you're in one of those, does have, have they lacked that this year? Have they ever been in it going into the final round before? They, they were only really in it last year to try to win the uh, independence, which which fizzled away a little bit. If you remember, I think Rory Butcher was it that last year or two years ago? Two years ago, Rory Butcher got ahead of them on on finals day in the Honda. So they've been not fighting for an outright. Uh, but they 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 fought for the independence and had a few reliability dramas. But we saw um, that it wasn't quite going right on some weekends early on in the season. For example, at Snetterton, uh, they struggled to to deal with the weight that he carried from the opening round at Thruxton. He had sixty six kilos of ballast. It's been a little bit similar to last year, although last year all the bad luck came early on in the season, so he was never going to be a contender. Um, this year, I've I've actually become a real fan of of Josh Cook uh, with with his driving. I think he's got a. I think he's a tremendous talent. I marvel at the way he makes the front wheel drive car drift through fast corners. I, I think it's just absolutely superb. Um, and um, you know, little things have gone wrong over the course of the season, without which he'd definitely be definitely be up there in the hunt for the championship. But but one thing I have been doing because it's quite difficult really to to assess how drivers and teams are doing against each other but i've been trying to put some, together some stats to to see how people have been coping with the weight at various times over the season and um and if you look at the 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 number of points drivers have scored in race ones over a race weekend um josh cook is at actually top of the table on on 98 points, uh, one ahead of Rory Butcher on 97. Um, and Josh Josh has been carrying, um, on average, the fourth highest ballast over the season in race ones. Impressively, he has outscored Colin Turkington by 10 points with a higher average ballast in race ones. So that shows you that they have been doing pretty well. Uh, I mean, Turkington and West Surrey Racing and the BMW are com- complete benchmark of of british touring car championship over over the donkey's years really um and then um second races he's he's sort of in the mix with everybody it just falls down in third races and 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 um you know he's he's only got just over half the total of colin turkington and ash sutton in the third races of weekends Uh, and that's where random things do tend to occur um you get caught up um in a in a reverse grid midfield because you've had a top result in race two possibly there's been a bit of been a bit of finger trouble at the team on a couple of occasions this year um a couple of other times he's been unlucky um only one or two small things could have gone differently for him to be i wouldn't say leading the championship but much more in contention for it i I go along with what you say marcus about the weight from from thruxton because he didn't get a single point at Snetterton, did he? he? They really did struggle. And yet, oddly, he didn't go there as the championship leader, even though he'd had those two wins. It was Jake Hill that went there as the championship leader with his good, consistent run at Thruxton at the start of the season. So it makes me think there was something else going on apart from just the weight. And bear in mind as well, in fairness to Josh, BTC had a bit of upheaval over the winter because it went from being Steve Dudman and Bert Taylor to just Steve Dudman. A little bit of change of personnel, new team managers come in in Mickey Sargent. So maybe it took a little bit of time to gel. I wonder whether Thruxton at the start of the year, because Josh always goes well there, that almost masked what was going on. You know, he, he always seems to get a win at Thruxton. Um, so how much of that was down to the team coming out absolutely top of its game and how much of that was was down to Josh almost hiding any deficiencies and, and working his magic again? Potentially, yeah. And, and there was another big change over the winter, of course, with them switching to the, to the Swindon Toker engine, although I'm not really sure that that would uh, make an adverse performance uh, difference um, compared to the, um, the, the, the regular... Neil Brown tuned Honda. I think the Swindon engine is pretty strong, isn't it? So, um, so yeah. Um, but you, you, I, I think there could definitely be something in what you say. Um, and also, um, Snetterton, they did admit, is a track that they never enjoy. <laughs> um, but but you can't really in that in this championship. You can't really have 
tracks that you don't enjoy don't go well out it, you've got to be on it for for all 10 rounds it's true it's true i mean one other thing to throw into this and and i agree with what you say about josh and his car control he has become a, a far better driver than last year the year before but certainly go back five years you know when he was trying to cling on to a drive there was limited budget and he was constantly not just in every race but on every lap of every race trying to prove himself and there were occasions where and we've seen this across lots of the young guns it all got a bit desperate down to prove that they could hang on in there for ninth place or whatever it might be and then he had his first win and it released something you know all of a sudden that mental thing changed yes he knew he could do it and the driving got calmer and he's a lot lot better um and i agree i think he's up there with the top drivers in the championship um and like an ingram or a sutton or a hill he's not peaked yet he's only going to get better and better um i think he's a very very good talent i was going to say you just just to add there i mean i guess you've probably just nailed that there but if he doesn't win it this year surely at some point he's going to get one of these titles at some uh, you know at some stage You'd hope so, Tom, as as long as the budget is there, because that's always my fear with Josh, that that the money doesn't help him into the next season. Um, And yes, okay, he's now got this relationship with BTC, and it's a different BTC. It took a little bit of time to tell, and those two in Thruxton at the start of the year were the, the, the best there are always commercial pressures, but it would be a travesty if he weren't on the grid next year and didn't get a chance to fight again for the title, that's for sure. Moving on to our, our next contender is Jake Hill in the uh, MB Motorsport Motorbase Ford Focus. He's fourth in the championship. He's had uh, two wins this year, nine podiums altogether. What have you made of his uh, move to Ford and, and perhaps a resurgence in his career? I think Jake is another of those drivers that is getting better and better and better all the time. I'm pleased that he's had his wins, not only because he's a very, very likable guy, but because he tries incredibly hard. And I think Marcus would back me up on this. Um, The family, his father and everybody in the family, throws huge amounts of effort into getting him on the grid, keeping him on the grid. But I'm also pleased to see that he's had the success because, of course, Motorbase, MB Motorsport now, was a team that went through a bit of upheaval over the winter. David Bartram sold it. Pete Osborne bought into it. You had um, Mark Blundell coming in. And I think I said in the preview for for a, a different publication that it would be a real shame if Jake's talent was wasted while the team was going through this state of flux. Now, that said, it took a long time to get the wins this year. There was consistency, there were points, and we'd got to the point, I think, where you could only keep talking somebody up on goodwill for so long. So those wins came at a very important time. Um, But he's not really made mistakes. He's got better all the time. Um, I think his versatility is shining through outside touring cars, what he does in historics. I mean, he was one of the heroes of Goodwood a week ago, um, and he was one of the stars going up the hill in the summer, um, and he races all sorts of random historic machinery. So he's got the ability. He can jump from one to another, front-wheel drive to rear-wheel drive. He, too, is only going to get better and better and better. Um, Had all that come together, had they been able to score wins earlier on in the season, I think he would have been a a bigger factor. Uh, Whether Marcus's first race points tally tells us this, we'll we'll see in a minute. But um, yeah, I think maybe if this were a 40 round championship, not just 30, he'd have a better chance because it's kind of it started well and it's really come good um, since the halfway point of the year, I feel. I think one of the reasons um, that we didn't see Jake winning earlier on in the season was because the Ford was handling the weight so well. Um, we weren't we weren't seeing him come to a come to an event light on ballast or, or anything like that. So um, and also he wasn't finishing low enough in race two to get a handy reverse grid top grid position. Um, so so really when when the win finally happened at, at Croft. Um, I thought it was a, a tremendous breakthrough because it was a, it was a genuine win. Um, he was on 66 kilos of ballast, having finished second in race one, um, and um, that was that was really really pleasing to see that breakthrough. Uh, I mean, I've I've followed Jake a lot over the years, having having known his dad when we used to race together back in the um, back in the late 80s. It was to, to start off with. Yeah, I've always been impressed by the family's determination to to keep him on the grid and you're right david the 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 i mean the upheaval at motorbase over the winter was good for jake because it got him in a a new and competitive car 
Um, but it potentially didn't help because there was a lot of change going on behind the scenes. And obviously, um, we did. Um, the other element was Sean Hollenby, who very much looked after Jake by putting in putting him in the AMD team a couple of years ago. Um, then um, left the the mo- motorbase situation before the season had started, having originally taken it over with Pete Osborne. Um, and um, although Sean still, you know is very close to the Hill family. So, um, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of changes. One, one good thing for Jake is that his engineer, Craig Pauly came across from the AMD setup with him. Um, they transferred what they knew from the old FK2 Civic onto the Ford Focus and it seemed to work a treat. The performances have been very strong since the start of the season and, and the car did carry ballast very well, albeit, 48 kilos, 39 kilos levels of ballast for being fourth or fifth in the championship. Once he hit 66 after that Croft weekend, uh, when they went to Silverstone, it was a complete disaster, as uh, Tom Ingram had been experiencing on the Hyundai. Um, now, Jake is back to 48 for Brands Hatch. He's very close behind Tom in the championship and not very far behind Colin either. Um, it's his favourite circuit. He's absolutely absolutely superb around Brands Grand Prix. I'm going to stick my neck out and predict that he could well end up second in the championship um, after after the weekend. If you want an example, Tom, in a sense of, of how good Jake is, we, we know that last year the Ford Focus was capable of winning races because Rory Butcher did it and Ollie Jackson had a couple of wins. Well, there are four Fords to choose from. He's the only person that's had a win. Ollie Jackson, who got those two last year, hasn't been near a race win this year for various reasons. Um, you almost forget at times there are three more because Jake has been the absolute trailblazer of those four Fords, taking wins, taking podiums um, and having to play around with the weight. You know, 75 kilos for a race win. That's probably like a family of Jake Hills in the car because he weighs about four stone wet through. So um, it it's always starts off as a pretty light car, I would think. that, that. But he's, he's done a really impressive job. And again, once the win came, another one followed in quick succession. Um, it helps the confidence because there must have been that patch in the middle of the year where he thought, well, hang on a minute. I left Thruxton as the championship leader. What do I have to do to get back up there? I can't get that break. I can't get a win. Now, granted, as Colin Turkington proved a few years ago, there are other ways of winning this championship than winning and winning and winning. He did it with one victory that year. We had 17 different winners. But from a driver's psychological point of view, a win's important. And um, Jake's now done that. And of course, his first ever win was a reverse grid race. So the fact that he's done it in in different races now proves that he can deliver no matter what the circumstances. Do you also think he's come of age this season as well? Because this has probably been the chance where... He's been able to properly fight for a championship. No, no, no disrespect to where he's been previously, but this car is a proven race winner. He's obviously had to adjust to it, but do you feel like he's taken another step forward himself? I do, and I think all the drivers do year on year. You know, because they, like I said earlier, they're they're they've not peaked. They are all getting better. The more mileage they have. First of all, they're learning about how to interact with the team. They're learning about the cars. They're learning about the quirks of an NGTC type of touring car. Uh, they're learning about the racecraft that's required in touring car racing. Where Jake scores, and to an extent Tom Ingram scores as well, is that they're not just racing the same front-wheel drive machinery 10 weekends a year. You know, Tom does the odd bit of historic stuff with Marco Attard, and Jake's increasingly busy um, in touring cars. And in that, he's learning different things all the time. And it's got to help when you add all that together, Marcus, I would have thought. Looking at that performance in the Capri at Goodwood at the weekend, which you uh... were... which your commentary was very entertaining on Um, (laughs) um, the um, I don't think we would have seen a 2019 spec Jake Hill driving that Capri as brilliantly as he did at the weekend I think that was a driver who's come of age as you say masses of confidence he can just get in anything and absolutely rag it when he needs to just increasingly impressed by not only what he does in BTCC but also um also in the historic machinery as well um and he's he's still only young um i'd like to think there's a btcc title in him um i don't think it will be this year because i think ash sutton's too far ahead um but i'd also like to think that he can pick up some attention from outside this country and and try try to um get a career well he wants he wants to go to japan that's his uh 
that's his passion. He loves the Super GT scene. He's been um, he's been mad about that sort of stuff since a kid. So, but um, but just to to make his name uh, not only in the BTCC but but outside this country, I think I think he's capable of doing it, and I'd like to see him get the chance. No, I agree. I think- certainly, uh, when I was in Australia, he certainly got in contact with me about the supercars uh, for for you know for, for a chance. But and again, that's another series where he could go really well. But again, it's difficult for as we know for foreigners to break in there. It, it is, and part of the problem, as you know, Tom, is that the cars are so very different, and it would be equally difficult if a. I don't know, a wink up for the sake of argument, came over and tried to get his, his head around NGTC straight off. You know, he'd get there just like Jake would get there in supercars, but he wouldn't be um, instant. But I agree. I, I think there is a title or two or three in him if if he stays in the championship. Um, and, and what's also nice about it is that the Toka Paddock has kind of watched him grow. He arrived as a, as a, a small kid in Janetta Juniors and now he's a small kid in touring cars but you know he's gone through the growing pains in Janetta racing and 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 had a, a step into touring cars as a one-off up at Croft because that was all they could afford and there was a, a space and then the family went off and tried again and he came back with another drive and went away again bit by bit he's worked very hard as has his father Simon Hill and, and he certainly is deserving of a place on the grid and like I say the fact that he has been totally the trailblazer for the Fords this year underlines, I think, his ability relative to the rest. Next up in our contenders is uh, Tom Ingram and how he's obviously moved from Toyota to Hyundai with the Accelerate team. Uh, I haven't been with Speedworks last year. He's done a really good job in adjusting to the new car. How have you, uh, what do you think about Tom and his performances this year? From my opinion uh he couldn't lose by going to accelerate you know there were there were various commercial reasons why the divorce had to happen between speedworks and tom uh and it took the paddock by surprise because it was like a family um and by going to accelerate that hadn't had a win to drive a hyundai that hadn't had a win if tom didn't have a win well so what and if he did he was a hero Uh, the fact that he has won as often as he has um, and has been up there for the bulk of the season, I think is mighty impressive. The car was pretty good anyway. It's always been the right shape. Um, and the fact that he's been able to take Spencer Aldridge, his engineer from Speedworks, with him, and they've worked really hard on that car, is another plus. His driving gets better and better year on year. I think he was desperately unlucky to not win at Donington. Um, whether the, the the rights and wrongs of that incident with Gordon Shedden constitute a professional foul, if you like, um, you can discuss. But the, the contact that he was done for was the, the lightest of light. Um, so that was a win that went begging. But I think he's done an outstanding job uh, behind the wheel. I think he and Spencer, as a combination, do an outstanding job of getting the best out of a car. And... In the pit lane, you've got that brains trust of Marvin Humphreys, who's been there and he's seen it and he's done it and he's got more T-shirts than a shop. Uh, and and between them, they are pushing the whole process forward. And he's got titles in him for years to come, I think. Coming back into the BTCC in um, 2020, after many years away, I mean, the last time I covered it, Tom Ingram was probably starting primary school or something like that. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I was tremendously impressed with him at Speedworks last year um, and uh, not only not only from his driving and blimey does it does have you ever seen a front wheel drive car that's so loose at the back um, <laughs> but, um, but also with his his off track um, demeanor I mean, he's just he's just an absolute pleasure to deal with isn't he um, and um, as, as Jake Hill is actually um, but um, yeah, tremendous, tremendous talent. I thought one of the highlights of last year was was the front wheel drive battles between him and Dan Camish. That was that was always quite good, and both of them absolutely on the edge. Um, I I thought I, I was actually in the the camp opposite to you, David, thinking, "Blimey, that's a bit of a risk going to accelerate for the, for this year." <laughs> <laughs> but um, but he has. Um, and, and no disrespect to Accelerate, but um, a team that had only done two years in the BTCC, only one year with a car that wasn't eligible for VSCC events, and um, <laughs> and um, and um, yeah, just yet to really prove itself. Um, despite a couple of podiums last year in reverse grid races with the Hyundai, but 
but they've done a tremendous job. That much was clear right from the um, Silverstone Media Day, how the car was. It wasn't just setting uh, very quick one lap times, but it was doing consistently quick times. And you just knew that it was going to be a contender this year. And uh, Tom has done a really, really impressive job with um, with 66 kilos of weight in that car for most of the year. And, and uh, it seems to have become it seems to have affected it worse and worse as the year goes on. But I think that's probably a consequence of the field getting more and more evenly matched as the, as the year goes on as, as much as anything. And, um, you know, he got to croft with that 66 kilos on and he can't drag it around any quicker than 21st on the grid. Um, then owing to croft, he goes down to 39 kilos for the next round at Silverstone and he's on the front row. So straight back, straight back into uh, to the front with a moderate amount of success weight on the car. Um, I think that um, he's had a bit of bad luck this year. The, the Alton Park um, problem in qualifying that prevented him setting any laps, um, and he started from the back of the grid there. Um, that, was, that was bad luck number one. And then bad luck number two was because everybody else dropped the ball so spectacularly that weekend. He still had 66 kilos next time out at Knock Hill, which is, which is the last place you want it with a front wheel drive car. Um, so um, I'm, I'll be interested to see how he goes at brands. Um, and I've made the comment um, in a comment I've, uh, in a column I've written for the magazine this week that the car, the car has gone well with, 39 kilos as i say at silverstone qualifying on the front row but he's never yet gone into a meeting with 57 or 48 on the car so so how's it going to be in that middle middle range is 50 the 57 that he'll be carrying will that be okay or will it be just a bit too much um that's really going to deter- determine how the the really the fight well i mean a long shot for the the um championship itself but probably the fight for second in the championship that probably determines how it's going to go he is a long shot but it only takes one bad first race for ash sutton and, and, and it's all bets off you know if he qualifies badly let's say you know as, as i'm staring out of my window here it has been in the beautiful cheshire countryside a miserable wet day and everybody tells me this is set in for the rest of the week now if you're trying to qualify on a wet brands hatch or even a wet dry brands hatch which can be dry on the indie circuit and still wet under the trees um, there's no guarantee that you're going to sail through that without a problem. So if Ash doesn't qualify well or gets himself in jeopardy in the first race, then you know things could change. Let's not necessarily um, think that Ash is going to walk away with this. Um, uh, yeah, Tom's going to give it his best shot, and he's been in the title fight before, of course, against Colin Turkington in the days of the Toyota Avensis. And you know he was the outsider then; he had nothing to lose. Tried valiantly to keep it going to the last race, couldn't quite. Um, he's going to throw everything at it. I think you're right about the weight and, and not knowing how it's going to really perform he's made the point hasn't he that in terms of carrying the weight and we've almost got now used to saying that the Hyundai doesn't carry the weight well Tom's answer to that is it's actually on a par with the other front wheel drive cars the Hondas or the the Ford of Jake Hill the problem is that the Infinity carries it so well so if you put that out of the equation the Hyundai and the Ford they're not too far apart um it's just that you've got this this infinity that that ticks every box in how it carries the weight and where the weight's positioned and where the engine is and everything else. Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, yeah, wet weather will completely mix things up and um, throw those weight permutations. Well, it won't won't throw them out of the window, but it will just leave them on the windowsill, won't it? That's true. Yes, yeah. (laughs) And Tom Tom is another example of somebody because he started off in Genetta Junior Racing that's that's come through the Toka Paddock. And I mean, Marcus has, has, has... touch on the fact that he he knows jake's father very well and i've got to know tom pretty well over the years partly through speedworks but i i can remember when he was still in Ginetta's being at rockingham and this um rather shy uh, young gangly chap introduced himself and said oh excuse me you know i'm tom ingram and i i'm racing in Ginetta's and i'm i'm really hoping to be in touring cars next year and jake had somebody that was at the time of course involved in itv's coverage and had had been in the paddock himself for years able to introduce jake to the right people tom's had to do this himself um his father bruce was a a motocrosser for a time before they went karting but but tom's never had a massive amount of guidance other than 
being part of the the Jason Plato KX Academy that's done him a world of good, I think. He's a very good um, public speaker. He's done some commentary with me at Goodwood. year was really good. Uh, very, very confident. He's great with the fans. He's one of the few people that has already got his own range of merchandise. And he's, he's aware of this Ting, Tingram brand. Uh, and it sells. And he's working on that. And, and, and he has said he would like to be in the paddock as a, a kind of Jason Plato figure for many, many years to come, um, because he can see the benefits of building a name, a brand, a reputation, a career within the BTCC. Yeah, other drivers like Jake Hill might want to go off and race in, in Japan, for example. Um, but as much as Tom is, is keen to win races and championships, he's also looking at it from a, a commercial side, which I don't think that many are. So he's going to be in it as long as Jason Plato. That means 2050. <laughs> well, if he hasn't won it by then, Marcus, there's something wrong in the world, isn't there? <laughs> He'll be on a thousand wins. <laughs> no, if he's anything like Jason Plato, he'll stay on 997 wins for a long, long time. <laughs> That's right. But can you imagine the Ginsters pasty that will be uh, offered up to him as, as the prize for when he does get the thousandth win if he stays in forever and a day? Yeah, It'll be, be the skies of Cornwall. <laughs> Just to uh, pick up on a point that Marcus made with a bad luck, obviously Tom lost a win at Donington last time out in quite controversial circumstances. Uh, I'd be interested to hear both of your points of view as to what you thought of that incident with Gorn Shen. Well, my point of view was, I mean, first of all, I was um, I was slightly outraged about it because I had to write an autosport.com news story at quick notice. Um, no, <laughs> seriously. Um, first world I, problems. <laughs> I, um, I, I had assumed from watching the TV coverage um, that, that the whole incident was what we saw on the on the TV footage, and that was just uh, chiselling his way inside at coppice and then out um, on the inside line going down to the chicane to take the move. I didn't see anything wrong with it. I thought, what are they doing? Um, now, it appears that the what we didn't see was going into coppice, and that was what um, Dynamics were complaining about. Um, and they were, they were saying that he hit the rear end of Gordon Shedden's car. Um, that unsettled the car and allowed the overtake to happen. Um, and I I can't really call it, I'm afraid, because because I didn't see it. I've heard very convincing explanations from both drivers <laughs> who are both convinced they're in the right. Um, and, yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't really um, give an opinion on that. Part of the problem, I think, is that the regulations are trying to, quite rightly, make sure that driving standards are good. And the championship has had, rightly or wrongly, this reputation for being um, full of contact. I don't believe it is. I think that, that these days the championship driving standards are a lot better. Years ago, you could argue that you needed a bit of bash and crash when you had only a dozen or so cars on the grid and relatively few star names because that was part of the story. That was part of the appeal for the fans. Now that you've got the best part of 30 cars within a second on given grid, I don't think you need that. I think the story tells itself. But within the regulations, as I understand it, there is this, um, this, this, this clause that says that if there is contact and you overtake and gain a position, then that is what, in, in quotes, is a push to pass. You know, what you don't what you can't put in the regulations is the level of the contact. You know, there's a full-on hit or there's a tap. And Marcus is right, depending on who you talk to about Donington, um, it was either a, 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 a graze of the back of the Honda or it was a full-on hit in the rear, depending on whose who's point you take. The well, trouble it, is... It, go from, on, Marcus. From what I heard, it was, um, it was either a full-on hit in the rear or a full-on brake test. <laughs> uh, you might think that I couldn't possibly comment. The person that, that says it's a brake test has been telling me about looking at onboards where you can barely perceive that there's been any contact whatsoever. Um, now, look, under the regulations, if there is contact the, and, and the overtake is completed, then the officials have to do something. What Gordon Shedden said after the race about Tom having the pace to get past him at any opportunity, uh, so he should have given the place back, holds up because Tom did have the pace to get past him at any opportunity. And what Tom said about the contact being so light as to be insignificant is probably valid as well. So the, 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 the crux of it is somewhere in between. But part of the issue is what the regulations say. So if there is contact and if there is a place change, 
the officials have got to do something because it's there in black and white in the regulations. And like I say, it doesn't matter whether it's a bit, uh, uh, Tom, like, you know, you and I having an argument about who the best V8 supercar driver is coming to blows. If I punch you on the nose or if I give you a little tap on the shoulder, that's still contact. It's it's the gradient of the of the contact, if you like. Um, so what I'm surprised about is that Accelerate didn't go and appeal that because within the regulations, the clerk of the course has black and white contact penalty. The stewards could have looked at it differently and said, well, actually, yeah, all right, there was contact, but it was so light or the, or the driver ahead did that. He might not have won it. He might have won it, but they didn't go with that. Um, if we've now got to a situation in racing, if, 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 if a driver can brake test another to make contact, to be forced wide, to lose a place to then win a race. I'm not sure that's really how we want the sport to be going. I'm not accusing Gordon Shedden of doing that, but I'm saying in general, if if drivers now realise that they don't have the pace to fend off the car behind, so a professional foul by a, a lift or a brake test or making somebody overtake you into a yellow flag zone, for example, um, if that's where we're getting to, mm, not very sure I'm, I'm going to enjoy my motor racing. I would hope that the data from the car, uh, for instance, braking pressure would be available to the stewards when they're making their decision on on things like that um but yeah i mean we're we're into the realms of conjecture here here aren't we because it's it's basically one of those classic incidents that was one man's word against another uh, and and um i i don't know i mean i've i've seen some far well i mean some i've seen some um rather dodgy driving this year in the BTCC and other series that's gone gone unpunished. I, I always dislike it when somebody loses a win because of um because of a post race decision. Um but uh yeah the, the the stewards hopefully had the info to to make that call and um I mean, well what I'm well it, it never really got as far as the stewards did it it was Ian mm. Watson as the clerk James Cole as the driving standards advisor they they mm. did the judicial on that had they appealed it I think it would have gone to the stewards right okay um but but hopefully they had the yeah. um they hopefully they had the data and the information sure. to to make that call um one thing that was quite ironic bearing in mind uh what it did which obviously was to put um Tom Ingram up to 10th on the grid for the reverse grid and Gordon Shedden down to 11th is that um, poor old um, poor old Flash was forced to lift off when Ash Sutton ran wide at the first corner and then got submerged <laughs> by the field. He yes. said, "He said, if only I'd if only I'd been a few feet few feet <laughs> further up, that never would have happened." And I said, "That would have happened if you'd finished second in the previous race." Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be careful what you wish for. Uh, what, what what extra thing to add to all of this is. Um, for as long as I've been involved in the ITV coverage, people on the outside of the touring car paddock are constantly telling me how it's all manipulated. You know, who's, whose turn is it to win this week? There's one, I won't name him, but there's one friend of mine in particular who has nothing to do with touring car racing and yet knows everything about it and is absolutely convinced that, that it's all you know, manipulated here and there with the weight and Alan Gow wants this to happen and wants that to happen. Alan Gow wants this to go to the last race, unquestionably, as we all do. If it were being orchestrated somehow, Josh Cook wouldn't have been hoiked out at Silverstone for his technical infringement. Tom Ingram wouldn't have been hoiked out of, of the win at Donington because that's hindered him within the championship battle. So in all of this, if people are thinking that, that, that the championship has a, a, a magic tweak somewhere to keep us all um, guessing until the last round, well, actually, here's evidence that, that people don't interfere um, in order to try and get the championship close for the last round, because otherwise you wouldn't be having these people penalised. This is, I think, proof that events take their course naturally. Because I think, I think from just uh, from a you know fan point of view, they just want some consistency with how the regulations and rules are applied. Because obviously we've seen, as you say, we've seen incidents that have gone unpunished, and yet some do, some don't. I guess that's the frustration, and I guess hopefully this weekend we don't see any of that, and it's a full clean fight and there are no need for any stewards inquiries true i'm, I'm not a, a clerk tom so I'm, I'm saying this as i understand it but if a um team or a driver goes to the race officials with a complaint they are obliged to look at it and in the case of ingram and shedden that is what happened so that they, they couldn't 
ignore it. The teams had come and said, right, there's been contact, there's been an overtake, look at it. Whereas in other cases, there might be an overtake with a bit of contact for, I don't know, 14th place and the drivers involved just say, oh, grumble, grumble, I'll get my own back next time. So in this case, with the teams taking it to the officials, they didn't have much choice. And that's why potentially, potentially, that looked at as aren't. And the, the other thing we should mention is that um, before Dynamics did that, they, um, they under the gentleman's agreement that the teams have, they contacted Accelerate to say, look, if you give the place back and then Tom tries to win it again, no problem. Um, the, the, the problem was is that Tom and Accelerate believed that his move was absolutely fine um, and that there was no need to give that place back. Um, and that's why we ended up in the post-race situation that we did. I, I also had yeah, another adjunct to that, which was that somebody from Dynamics said, well, I went and saw Speedworks and told them to give the place back. What did you go there for? <laughs> ah, ah. <laughs> now, whether that's true, I don't know. But, you know, same livery as last year, different team. I don't know. Anyway. Uh... Moving on, Tom, yeah. You're mo- moving on, obviously, that aside, obviously, it's an important <laughs> issue, but... Uh... Second in the championship, Colin Turkington. We know what he's capable of, a four-time champion. He always seems to be able to grind things out. Do we think he can sneak another one this weekend? I think he's a bit too far behind. Having said that, I wouldn't bet the house on it. <laughs> um, so uh, the it's it's been quite a difficult season for Colin and, and West Surrey Racing. And for them to be second in the championship going into the last round, I think is a real result. Um, because there have been times when they certainly haven't looked like second in the championship material. The BMW 3 Series, it's it has been a little bit inconsistent with the weight this season, um, yeah, with the ballast. Colin, Colin's never gone to an event this season in the top two positions in the championship, so this is the first time he's been as high as second. Even on 57 kilos of ballast, he's never managed to put the BMW in the top five on the grid um, this season. So that car um, doesn't, it it seems to be a bit like the front wheel drive cars as far as coping with the success weight is concerned, whereas the Infinity just seems to be relatively impervious to it. Um, And and Colin has, you know, he's had to make up the ground over um, over the course of a race day, which he's done pretty well. And just... You know, looking at my stats that I mentioned earlier on, um, he, as you'd expect from a four-time BTCC champion, he knows how to play the um, the system perfectly. Um, he is the king of race threes this year um, with 105 points, which is three more than Ash Sutton. But we'll come, we'll come to Ash in a bit. Having said that, um, Colin is only has the sixth highest average ballast in race threes. So, so he's scored those points. But he's been on low ballast to do it. But that's all part of working the system in the BTCC. Um, there've been there have been some mistakes this year, and I'm thinking when he gave Ash Sutton a tap on the first lap at Thruxton, um, when he ran a little bit wide on the final lap at Knock Hill, when he had Ash right behind him, um, when he spun at Donington, which ironically then gave him reverse grid pole and. And that spin probably provided a net gain on the day because he probably gained more points in race three than he would have done had he not than he would have um, not lost in race two by spinning. If you see what I mean, so um, so it's been it's been difficult, but the car the car has has been quite difficult in the traffic in races. Um, and one one thing that I think shows that Colin is still a classy. BTCC contender um, is the fact that we we can see him further ahead of his teammates um, Tom Oliphant and Stephen Jelly who are both very capable and Tom Tom Oliphant was a bit of a revelation last year and and um, early early this season he looked good particularly particularly on the Brands Indy circuit but we see him farther further ahead of his teammates than we have done at any time over the last couple of years so whether it's a problem. Well, not necessarily a problem, but just a, a sign that the BMW is being caught up by um, some of the other cars on the grid. Um, I don't know, but um, but I think Colin's proper class act in that um, he will 
he will almost certainly finish in the top three in the championship this year. And I'd I'd like to see him take it down to the final race against Ash, but um, I think it's going to be a bit of a bit of a tough one for him. But where, where I would just slightly add to it is. I mean, I, I have absolutely no argument in that Colin is a class act and no argument in that there have been some mistakes and you've cited the three markers. But you talked about not betting your house on it. I, I think he is unlikely to win the championship, not because Colin has has lost his ability to, to drive, far from it. My fear is that WSR this year has been out-engineered by Laser Tools Racing, by BMR. And usually the, the rear-wheel drive benchmark was WSR in general, because, of course, it wasn't just Colin. There was Andrew Jordan's car for a time, as well as the third car. And they have had a difficult season, yes. I wonder whether they've gone down the odd rabbit hole in trying to find that unfair advantage over the infinity and have gone the wrong way sometimes, I'm not sure. But if you now want the benchmark rear-wheel drive operation, it seems to be BMR slash Laser Tools, Ash Sutton, and the infinity. Um now, Dick Bennett doesn't like being beaten. Colin doesn't like being beaten. You can imagine those debriefs at the end of, of the day have been quite long to try and find you know, what it is. But I don't think they have found what it is because they are still too far back. Um, proof that Colin's tried everything is the fact that he has made those odd mistakes. Um, but last year, we went away from Brands Hatch to dry out, talking about the fact that that the BMW hadn't worked well in the wet. They were back at Brands within the week to go testing to try and work out what it was that that wasn't happening in the wet and in a sense it's almost like they've they've somewhere along the line taken half a step back because the infinity has come out as a better stronger proposition this year um so if i were putting a pound on ash sutton or colin turkington i would go ash not because of anything that colin's done wrong but i just think that the the better engineered operation is coming from the blue and white area Obviously, Brands Hatch, as you as you mentioned there, last year was obviously very wet and could well be this weekend. Do mm. you think that after all the work that they've done, will they go better in the wet at Brands this time around if it does rain? It's a good question. I'm, I mean, one would hope so for the championship fight. I'm trying to think how many full-on wet races we've had this year and whether we've really had the evidence of that car um, taking a step forward. Thruxton's qualifying and practice day was mixed weather, wasn't it? And after that, how, how much other wet have we had? Thruxton qualifying was damp, wasn't it? I seem yeah. to recall pole was about three seconds off a dry pace. <clears throat> yeah. And Colin was right up there. Um, I can't uh, I can't off the top of my head recall any wet proper wet races a, or qualifying races. Race. But, but no. what we need what we need to remember is that the um, the final round last year, because of the um, the COVID influence, was held on the indie circuit. Um, and this 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 time around, it's on back on the GP circuit where it belongs, really. Um, so, um, and they are very, very different kettles of fish, really. Um, so, um, a, a car that doesn't work in the wet on the indie circuit isn't necessarily going to be rubbish on the Grand Prix layout because um, it, because it, it's predominantly fast corners once you get out onto that loop. So the point that David was making was absolutely spot on because it just shows the determination they had to, to put that right. Um, but, um, you know, while, while they were making improvements to the BMW um, and that was coming into its um, third season in the BTCC, um, BMR laser tools were also improving the infinity which was only coming into its second year in its current guise in the BTCC. And um, you, to use a horrible cliche, you would, uh, you would imagine there'd be more low-hanging fruit on that to, to, to improve. Um, yeah, but uh, to use another horrible cliche, uh, learning curve, that kind of thing. You're, you're going to be getting more out of a, a car that is, that is newer than a car that's been around for longer. That just... That just Makes comments. One other thing that's for, from my side become more and more obvious this year than any of the seasons I've been covering this with a, an ITV jacket on is the importance of qualifying. And in the old days, you could get away with a bad Saturday because you knew that, that the racing would be fairly rowdy and certainly the, the reverse grid race, you were in with a chance. And this year, particularly, 
more and more drivers talk to me on the Friday or the Saturday and say it's all about qualifying. It's all about qualifying. It's almost like Formula 3 in some respects, where so much of the work is now done on the Saturday. You can't qualify in the bottom end of the top 10 and expect to get your elbows out and storm through because everybody is now operating at such a high level and within a thousandth of one another. So if we were to wait until qualifying on Saturday and then re-record this, you might get some different answers, I suspect, because we'd know what the grid was and we'd know where people are. But an awful lot of what's going to happen come Sunday is going to hinge on Saturday because qualifying is of extra importance and therefore the free practice sessions are of extra importance. So there can't be any pratting about on Saturday morning now. You've got to get on with it. You've got to get a car absolutely dialed in for qualifying. Um, and, and race one has quite often become static, for want of a better word, where it, it does to an extent reflect the grid order. Um, to therefore maximise that race, you've got to have done well in qualifying. So there's more and more pressure on the qualifying session itself and the drivers, therefore, to get the car right on Saturday morning. Because we're not talking about days of testing here. There's at some events, the, the shakedown on the Friday, purely to make sure that the systems are working. You can't do a flying lap. You have to go through the pit lane. So you, that's not a dummy qualifying session. Um, you're straight into free practice. Right, make your car work for the weekend. And if that's how it's going to be in, in mixed conditions, the grid, Marcus, I think, becomes a lottery. Yeah, that's true. And, and actually, that's reminded me of um, something else relating to Colin Turkington and, and West Surrey. Um, so over the last couple of events at Silverstone and then Donington, we've had the two-stage qualifying where they've had the original 25-minute session and then the 10-minute shootout for pole, um, which, uh, for, especially for a rear-wheel drive car, does uh, demand a fair amount of new tyre usage. Um, and um, and Colin has been nowhere in free practice for both of them, but the reason being that um, but the, that they've been using older rubber in free practice um, to save the fresh tyres for qualifying, where it's really important. That the um, byproduct of that is that they go into qualifying not knowing exactly how the car is going to be on the new tyres, but having to estimate from engineering extrapolations etc um so the fact that they have qualified reasonably well for those two races um is a real credit to them but it is very important to qualify high up and i think david the fact that you say that people have been saying it's like formula three is probably what attracted me back to the championship (laughs) (laughs) well perhaps they've done it just for you marcus to welcome you back yeah pole positions it's two one colin over ash um read into that what you will but um you know colin is not going to go to browns with his head down thinking he can't win it um you know we've we think back two years ago after the the amazing race in which dan camish looked to be a shoe in after colin had been tapped into his spin by matt neal um and that was i've never i've never known colin as emotional because on the slowing down that we have the ability to to talk to the, the champion and um the, the director kept saying it's clear to talk to Colin. Well, it wasn't because he kept shouting and screaming, and and it was you know you could I've never known that outpouring of emotion after after a day like that. Um, we might have one on Sunday if he can pull this one out of the bag. But he's 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 not going to give up without a fight. No way, no way at all. And that sort of move, makes us move on to our final contender. It's the championship leader Ash Sutton, the reigning champion. Uh, he's done it before, knows what he's got to do. Uh, but talk us through his campaign this year. What, what has been the difference from 2021 to, to last year? I would say the difference has been that the car is in its second year of development. So last year on the ITV4, excellent coverage. Um, you might have heard us talking about the fact that on Saturday, the Infinity looked horrible. It was all over the place. Tim Harvey used to refer to it as looking like a rallycross car because it was off the road. It didn't seem stable. It was horrible. And then on Sunday, it was like a different car had arrived because they'd gone through the pain of working out what the heck they needed to do to it. Sunday, okay, first race, battle up through the traffic, and then things improved. This year, they've got all that data. They arrive with not a Saturday car and a Sunday car, but a weekend car. So they've got the data from last year, and they've pushed that forward. And so they arrive, it comes out of the truck, and we know what we need to do on the setup. And straight away, they're they're further forward than they were for last year's championship 
So part of, of, of the season for me has been that Ash is driving a car that's better sorted, it's better developed, and I think they've done a better engineering job in, in some respects than WSR because they've been consistently ahead. And he himself, like we've touched on with uh, Jake Hill, with Tom Ingram, with Josh Cook, gets better all the time. Uh, he's always an exciting driver to watch, but this year, and you can see it, there are fewer occasions where he's prepared to put himself in strife and go for a move that he doesn't need to. Think back to Croft last year and Jake Hill. That could have been his undoing, especially as Colin Turkington was already in the gravel from earlier on in that race. He did not need to make that move. Um, he was telling us at the end of last year that he and, and Tony Carosa, his engineer, have this safe word, um, which was don't. So as he gets close to a car and think, don't. All right, I'll drop back. Don't. Okay. Um, if that's what's been employed this year, then it's worked really well. Ash gets more mature. He gets faster. Um, he's a really good character in the paddock. Um, you take one of the best drivers in a well-engineered car that carries the weight really well, that's well-developed and well-engineered, and with barely a mistake that you can think of. And only once has he not been in the points all year. It's a pretty outstanding season in the BTCC, that. The point about not taking so many risks as he had done in previous seasons, um, yeah, the illustration that Ash himself uses in a very excellent interview in this week's Autosport <laughs> magazine <laughs> is from the um, August Thruxton event where it was first race of the day and he was behind sitting behind Rory Butcher. I think Rory was fourth and Ash was fifth. Colin Turkington and Tom Ingram were both behind them in that race. And the the decision was, right, not going not gonna to really attack Rory, not going to take too many risks to get through because these are good points. It's going to put us in a good situation for race two. <clears throat> that will put us in a good situation for race three. That's where we see, as David said, that's where, where we see the difference from last year um, where you saw his instant with um, Jake Hill at Croft. And they, he, Ash and Tony, who um, also um, in this week's excellent interview with, with Ash Sutton in Autosport. Um, how, much, yeah. how much does it cost, Mark, <laughs> to read oh, these excellent interviews? Well, it costs less than a pint of beer. So, um, Gosh, that's yeah. surely too cheap. Um, but the, uh, the, the Ash says that the two of them only ever want to work with each other. Uh, it, it's, such a, it's such a close relationship between driver and engineer and they really are um you know that relationship is key to how well they've done but um but both of them both of them say they you know, they banged the drum over the season <clears throat> it's not about coming to a race and trying to get pole uh, when you've got the 75 kilos of weight it's about putting yourself in the best position to to maximize race three and if if i can go back to my stats ash sutton in 2021 has never finished on the podium in race one of a weekend there you go i'm seeing your reaction there tom uh best result of fourth at knock hill um which is also if discounting thruxton the opening round where no one carried any weight um because it was the opening round obviously um but knock hill was also his best grid position in a race one which is sixth so he's never been in the top five on the grid and he's been carrying 75 kilos since round three um, ironically, round two at Snetterton, he was only on forty-eight, and that was his worst grip position. But that was because his engine went. That was because his engine went in qualifying. So, um, so that's that's um, how he's been playing it. That said, in race one, he's in race ones this year. He is only eighteen points short of the highest tally of points, um, despite never finishing on the podium, despite never qualifying in the top five. Um, race two is where you see it. So race two scores this year, Ash Sutton, 134 points, Tom Ingram, 113, Josh Cook, 92. That's, That's yeah. a great stat. Yeah, that really is. And then race three, race three, it's Colin, 105, Ash, 102. But look at the, the average weight. Colin's scored his 105 points in race three on an average weight of 30 kilos. Ash has scored his 102 on 50.3. That just shows how that car is brilliant with the weight, how Ash and Tony together mastermind a weekend brilliantly. And that's why he's sitting in the situation that he's in at the moment. And as David said, only one retirement 
that was at Alton Park race three, um, which was funnily enough a collision with Colin Turkington. I'm not sure you'd, you'd blame either of them for, yeah. for that one. As an example, we started this podcast by talking about Josh Cook and in the conversation we talked about a ride height issue. We've talked about Tom Ingram having a win taken off him for contact. There are other people that you could look to that have been there or thereabouts this year. Let's take Rory Butcher. And you could say, ah, yeah, well, he'd have been further up had he not been in the barriers at Thruxton at the start of the year or in the gravel trap at Knock Hill. You could talk about Gordon Shedden, who had those two wins at Donington. And you could say, well, he would have been higher up, but he had a bad Thruxton where there was contact. And then he lost out at Snetterton when there was pole position, but he had that taken off him because the rear wing was a degree out. You can't say this about Ash Sutton. There aren't occasions where you say, oh, yeah, but if Ash hadn't been in the gravel at dot, 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 or Marcus has just touched on an engine problem at Snetterton, but that's the rarity. But we, we've, we've never had to talk about them with a, a post-qualifying or post-race technical issue. We, we rarely have to talk about a mechanical failure. If Ash doesn't score, it's largely because he's been involved in somebody else's accident. And part of of this championship is is obviously keeping out of trouble and winning races and banking points but another element is very much on the team's side and getting all of your processes right we've seen speedworks we've seen btc in the past transgress regulations not deliberately i'm sure we've seen dynamics do it as, as i've just said there's none of that happening in bmr and laser tools racing it is not only being driven properly but off track, the team is on top of its game as well, not only in terms of engineering, but by the book. They're not dropping the ball. Each weekend, they come away with a bag full of points. The only thing I would say is that um, Ash has probably lost three or four grip positions over the year to track limits penalties. But but that's just a sign of that's just a sign of a bloke who's got a seventy five kilo ballasted car trying to improve from eighth to seventh on the grid or something like that. Um, so your point is absolutely right. Um, if I'm being very, very picky in, in making that point. Um, but that's, that's the only thing that we've seen. Um, so, but, you know, you've got, but as long as he has his backup lap in the bag, um, why not, why not go for it and try and get better? Um, <clears throat> I think you're right. I mean, I, I know from, from race officials that he's had more track limit um, offences and times taken off him than anybody else. Um, I'd need to go through every qualifying session and my glass is empty, Marcus, so we will have to do this at another time. But to, to look at whether those banker laps that he's already done, um, you know, actually were overhauled to a, a greater degree because i always get the feeling that when ash does do a I, I think donnington perhaps was was one of the exceptions but quite often he transgresses early to find out where the limit the limit is and then works it out from there but you're right i mean he he he, he does perhaps put himself the wrong side of the line once too often but in the grand scheme of things if he can go to brands with the championship lead that he's got it's not a massive crime is it i guess then it's uh it's cards on the table time and who do we uh who do we think who do you think is going to do it on the day I think Ash is going to do it. I mean, all I can see that's going to trip him up is that if he qualifies, let's say, on the third row and alongside him is somebody that's in nosebleed territory, so far up the order that they're not normally, that they get a bit giddy and are determined to go out and think, oh, I might be able to win from the third row, as an example. Um, he might get caught up in somebody else's zealotry. Um it's all very well keeping out of the way, but the danger is you, you give away so many places, it's almost self-defeating. So there's, there's, there's that balance to be done of, of keeping out of strife, but not waving everybody past and finishing flat last. Um, so as long as Ash doesn't get caught up by somebody in the first race, I think he's going to do it. And actually, if he does win it for a second successive year, I don't see any problem with that because the team and he have done an outstanding job. And, and Again, going back to the first year I covered it, 2013, I don't think in any of those seasons the champion has been an undeserving one and he would undoubtedly be a deserving champion. Yeah, I completely echo David. Um, I I think that Ash Sutton and the BMR laser tools combination have been the standard in the BTCC this year and I, I always... I always prefer the uh, the best combination to win the championship, um, even if that happens before the last round. And um, yeah, going going back to the the old days when I covered it in the Super Touring days, 
no one ever no one ever complained when Lauren Aiello wrapped it up for Nissan weeks before the end of the season or or uh, Frank Beeler with Audi or or, or Alain Menu with Renault. Um, uh, you just uh, I, motorsport is great, isn't it? I mean, you 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 love to see exciting racing, but you also like to appreciate excellence. Um, and and um, excellence is definitely what we've seen from them within the constraints of the BTCC sporting regulations, which are designed to try and stop exactly that those super touring seasons that I am um, that I've talked about. So, um, so yeah, I I would I would say they'll be fully de- fully deserving champions if they do win it on Sunday. And equally, if anybody can can put it out of the bag, if a Turkington or a Ingram or a Hill can do it, I think they're too far back. But I think if they could, they would be deserving champions because that would have been the most Herculean of tasks on finals day to overhaul Ash and and the Laser Tools Racing Squad. So um, it'll be fascinating. And obviously, we're talking about the championship. There'll be three good races in isolation to enjoy as well. Thanks, Marcus and David, for your time today. And I think it's fair to say we're all looking forward to the action this weekend. But before we wrap up, here's what you can see right now on Autosport Plus. Marcus Simmons has penned a feature on BTCC title favourite Ash Sutton, recounting his rise to becoming a touring car great. MotoGP reporter Oriol Pujamont explains why the evolution of Fabio Quattararo this season has played more of a role than his improved Yamaha. And Megan White talks to Bicycle Visser about her challenging season in the W Series. We think it's the best motorsport writing out there, but judge for yourself with half-price access. New subscribers who sign up today can use the promo code PODCAST, all in capital letters, during checkout to save 50% off their first payment. Go to autosport.com plus and click sign in at the top of the page, then use promo code PODCAST for that 50% discount. Thanks for listening today. We'll be back soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.